welcome to today's episode of the Narratives of Grace podcast. I'm your host, Pastor Caleb Barrett. Today's message is from Pastor Dennis on 1 Peter chapter 4 entitled, Arm Yourselves. Let's listen. All right. That transition is not getting any faster from mask to mic, uh, but uh, it is good to be with you this His team. There it goes. Uh, thank you, praise team, and, and uh, for everything that you guys helped us with, leading us in worship. And today seems a little different. Uh, it seems a little bit off, but uh, that's okay. We've got the opportunity to look into God's Word. We have the opportunity to continue growing. There will be days like this. Uh, there will be things that happen. Um, we can't allow the distractions uh, to take our focus off of Jesus. Uh, so we're gathered for a purpose. We're gathered for a reason. Uh, it's interesting. We're going through First Peter. Uh, now, what we experience today is in no way persecution. So please don't hear that this morning because it's not. Uh, it's just faulty technical stuff, uh, faulty technology. Um, but here we are, and we have this opportunity uh, to be obedient. Uh, the beginning of this letter in First Peter. Uh, we talked about uh, how what we see in suffering is ultimately the opportunity to be obedient. Uh, it's, uh, ultimately, we have the opportunity, again, to be obedient. That's what suffering allows for us. Uh, we were told that f- uh, by Peter that we were chosen for this. And if we believe in God's sovereignty, then none of the glitches, none of the distractions, none of the problems are a surprise to him. And we shouldn't let it throw us off. We should continue worshiping. And so um, as I talk about worshiping, I I do want to just say a special thank you to you, the church, uh, for opening up our building and and, uh, allowing uh, the gathering to come in and worship yesterday. For those that are unaware, uh, the gathering church in Mililani, they normally meet at a school. Uh, As you know, schools are not letting folks in right now, and and so they don't have a place where they can worship. But uh, in one of our recent business meetings, the church approved for them, uh, the council meetings, the church approved for uh, for them to come in and use our facility. Uh, I don't know about you, but for me, being here is incredibly important. Uh, for believers to be among other believers, to worship God in the presence of others uh, is important. Uh, it's something that we were called to do. As a matter of fact, the, the author of Hebrews told us n- to not forsake the gathering together of believers. And so thank you for your love. Thank you for your care and your support. And uh, they, made, um, they made a few comments yesterday uh, just expressing their, their gratitude and their thankfulness. And so I just want to say thank you for just being the church. Thank you for doing what the church was called to do, and that is to work together to help one another. Um, As we continue on, I'm going to pray. We'll jump right into our message. Uh, We're running a a little bit behind today, and so I just wanted to put that out there before we finish uh, so that you see. Uh, But uh, we will continue to move through the letter of 1 Peter. We're going to be in chapter 4, so if you want to go ahead and open up to 1 Peter chapter 4. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for the opportunity that you've given us to be here, uh, the opportunity that we have to worship you. Uh, Despite technical glitches, despite difficulties, despite struggles and and all of these things, Father, 
we know you're still on the throne. We know that you are still pleased by our show of faith, uh, that we come to you. Uh, we want to remain faithful, uh, but sometimes, Father, it, it's difficult. Uh, there are things that push us away. Now, today, the immediate thing on our mind is probably um, technical issues, but in this letter, as we see today, Father, there are far worse issues that await us as believers. Um, allow this to just be a minor hiccup uh, as we continue to move forward. But, but even in this, Father, help us to see how we can arm ourselves um, to continue to be faithful, to continue to stand firm. So, Father, as I preach through your word today, I pray that they would be your words that are heard. Uh, Father, that it would be your message that we would be able to recognize a few aspects of, of what you expect us to apply to our lives and that we would be more like you as a result. So give us a good day, Father. May you forgive us for where we failed you and keep us close to your heart. Uh, because of your goodness, because of your mercy, because of who you are, we can thank you with confidence in advance of the great and wonderful things you are going to do. We love you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. All right, so, so far in this letter, Peter has been identifying, detailing, and explaining this new identity that we have in Christ. In doing so, he frequently reminds us and his readers that they will face trials and suffering. It's, it's nothing new. It should not surprise us to know that suffering exists. On one hand, we know suffering exists simply because we live in a fallen world. On the other hand, we should know that suffering exists in the life of a believer because that's what we were called to. Our greatest example is Jesus, and Jesus suffered. Jesus suffered greatly, even to the point of death. And many Christians since Christ have suffered even to the point of death. We in America, uh, we, we are cognizant, I think, of the suffering of those around the world, uh, but we may not always, um, we may not always be thinking of it regularly, it may not be very near to the forefront of our mind. Uh, sometimes, uh, unfortunately, we can be very out of sight, out of mind uh, when it comes to the suffering of other Christians. As a matter of fact, even, even those within our own body, sometimes we can, be, uh, we can be indifferent towards the suffering of others, and that is not what God has called us to. Uh, we should not be indifferent toward the suffering or the struggles of others. We should recognize that God has given us opportunities to be encouragers, uh, that he's given us opportunities to be obedient. Uh, we should recognize that we have uh, all of these uh, opportunities to continue doing exactly what he has called us to do. Uh, but we have to be open. We have to be ready. We have to be uh, willing to do what he has called us to do. Now, in reminding his readers about the suffering that they're going to face, some of the suffering includes slander, maligning, persecution, and even death. Uh, the preceding section of Scripture from chapter 3 uh, focused on suffering and the idea of suffering unjustly. That idea is going to continue even into chapter 5. We're just going to look at the first six verses of chapter 4 today. Uh, in today's passage, we will see that we do have an answer to this, to this suffering. Uh, the answer is to arm ourselves so that we can remain strong. Um, what I'm going to do is we'll read through the, the six verses. I'll explain a few key verses, and then we'll dive in, and we'll see four perspectives that Peter, that Peter gives us to arm ourselves to remain strong in the face of suffering. So if you have 
your copy of the Word of God with you. Again, it's going to be, it's back there, but it's not up here, so hopefully you can still see. Uh, Going into chapter 4, verses 1 through 6, now I'm reading from the ESV. Uh, It says, Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. For the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do. You can see there's a list of of sins. He says, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness. I changed the word to carousing uh, there, but uh, drinking parties and lawless idolatry. With respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery, and they malign you. But they will give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is why the gospel is preached, even to those who are dead, that though judged in the flesh the way people are, they might live in the spirit the way God does. That's a powerful section. Uh, Let's jump right into it. So early on, you see that Christ suffered in the flesh. Uh, When Christ suffered in the flesh, we recognize what happened. Uh, What happened when Jesus suffered? He died, right? He died on the cross. He suffered on the cross and he died. Now, praise the Lord, he didn't stay dead. Um, Three days later, he arose, and we recognize that that we're only able to gather together. We only gather together because because he is risen. Amen? That was terrible. Uh, But uh, we, we do recognize that we only exist as a body of believers because he exists. Amen? Perfect. All right. And so when we suffer in the flesh as he did, it means we die. Okay. Uh, When we recognize suffering in this context, it's talking about the willingness to suffer even to the point of death. Now, many of us, we're not willing to suffer even a little bit. But God has called us to be willing to suffer even to the point of death. Then he says to arm ourselves. So he says, Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. This idea of arming yourself should make perfect sense to a military-heavy group of folks. Uh, We know what it means to build arms. Uh, We know what it means as um, conservative believers. We know what it means to bear arms. We know what it means to uh, defend ourselves. The idea of arming yourself means to suit up, to arm up, etc. It means to take on weapons for defense. Uh, Now, we can look at this and say, you know, well, there's different types of weapons that we can use to defend ourselves. And we look throughout history as those weapons have eventually progressed and and they've grown over time. Uh, The first weapon that was used was a rock, and um, Cain used a rock. And we we recognize that. And now today, there are weapons that have progressed from rocks all the way up to uh, nuclear weapons. Uh, When Jesus is talking about arming yourself with weapons, he's not talking about the kind of weapons that are going to obliterate everything around you. He's talking about the weapons that are going to enable you to stand firm. And so we need to recognize that, uh, and I said this in a previous message, that our responsibility is not to... Uh, is, is not to one-up the gospel in, in its offensiveness. Uh, the gospel by itself is offensive, um, and we recognize that. Uh, when we are called to arm ourselves, it means to prepare ourselves for battle, 
um, to put on these weapons so that we can stand firm, so we can defend ourselves. Because suffering is going to come. Um, slander is going to happen. We'll see uh, that when we don't engage in what the world expects us to engage in, they hate us for it. Uh, and Jesus told us, don't be surprised if the world hates you. So we, we knew this was coming. So none of this passage should really be a surprise for us. Uh, but we are called to arm ourselves. We're also told that uh, whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. And in this sense, uh, ceased, ceasing from sin means no longer does sin rule. It's a, in the Greek, it is a perfect tense verb, which means that it's an ongoing permanent condition. Um, so that idea of ceased from sin is that those who have suffered in the flesh, those who have died in the flesh, um, they have experienced this, this ceasing from sin uh, and that the believer can have full confidence that there will be an end to sin. There is coming a day um, that sin will be taken care of and because of that we can have the spiritual fortitude to stand and face death willingly. Uh, now when I say that, uh, I also need to caution there are those within quote-unquote evangelical circles that will take that verse and they say, you know, if I've suffered for Jesus, then I've, I've come to the place where I no longer sin anymore. Um, what I would tell you is we are human beings. We are going to unfortunately continue sinning until we officially reach that moment where we see him face to face. Um, so if anybody ever comes to you and says, I've learned how not to sin anymore, well, they've done something that Paul couldn't do. Paul considered himself the chief of sinners. Um, and so we need to recognize that we are going to continue this battle with sin. Uh, the hope is not that sin is going to end here, but there. And that's why the whole purpose of what Peter has been telling us is this is not our home. Stop trying to appeal to a place that's not your home. Stop trying to be like the place that you don't belong from anymore. Instead, live like the citizens of the kingdom that you're waiting for. Eventually, there's coming a day when sin will be taken care of. And until that day, we can stand firm and knowing this is not the end of our story. Even in the midst of pain, even in the midst of suffering, this is not how our story ends. Uh, again, to, to be somewhat cliched, um, you know, there's that phrase that says, I've read the back of the book and we win. Uh, well, that's true. The back of the book, it, it does share that the book of Revelation is not about us winning. It's about our king winning. Our king is going to fight the battle for us. Our king is going to win the day. Uh, we'll be there for it, and that'll be exciting. Uh, to see him in all of his glory riding out and defending and cleaning up and taking care of everything that he promised he was going to do. And I don't know about you, but I long for that day. When I continue to see the news about those that are sick and those that are hurting and those that are dying and those that are struggling and the sin that continues, I think there's a healthy longing to be there. Uh, I had a pastor one time share about uh, the fact and, and the reality that he has more friends there than he does here. Uh, I think when we get to a certain age, and I'm not speaking from experience yet, but when we get to a certain age, I think we do have more that we know there uh, than we do here. And it creates, hopefully, a healthy longing uh, to be there, to be with your Savior. Uh, I was watching uh, different videos, and uh, a video of my grandfather 
playing with my son when he was probably two-ish, maybe two years old, uh, when he was playing with my son, and I just thought, you know, that's not the last time I'm going to see that. There's coming a day when we'll be together again. Uh, There's coming a day, and there's a healthy longing to be there, but until that day, we need to arm ourselves, we need to suit up, and we need to be prepared to defend ourselves spiritually. Um, What are we defending ourselves from? From doing what the Gentiles want to do. Now, we've already discussed in the book of Peter, or the letter that Peter wrote, that when he refers to Gentiles, most of the time he's referring to unsaved or non-believers. Um, and so he, he equates believers with Israel and non-believers with Gentiles. And so he uses those, those terms. Peter gives a list. Now, mind you, it's a non-exhaustive list. Um, but he gives you a list of things that unbelievers do. As you read through that list, and I'm not going to go through because I think each one of those speaks for themselves, uh, but as you go through and you look at that list of sins, the list of, of lifestyles you see in, in verse 3, as it continues, you recognize that that's some pretty bad stuff on there. And that's true. But you might also be thinking, well, I know a few unsaved people that really aren't like that. I, I know some, some folks that, that they don't behave like this. Uh, they, don't, they don't run out. They don't go to these parties. They don't do these things. They don't engage in these things. Uh, but look at that, uh, that last one, the lawless idolatry. Uh, lawless idolatry, that is something that whether we're willing to admit or not, we all struggle with. Uh, we all struggle with idols. Um, John Calvin said that the heart is a idol factory, or an an idol factory. Sorry, poor grammar. Uh, and so we, we should recognize that our hearts continue to put out these idols, like a factory just continues to crank out um, a product. And we come up, and, and as soon as we get victory over one idol, what do we do? We, we replace it with another. Uh, and sometimes we're clever, and we, we make godly things our own idols. Um, sometimes we're not careful and we make our families our idols. And we say, well, how can loving your family become an idol? Because you can love your family more than you love God and thereby taking your focus off of God and no longer leading your family properly. And so we need to recognize that what the Gentiles do is they run away from God. Scripture teaches that there are none righteous, no, not one, that we need Christ's righteousness in our lives. And so the point is, we have sin in our past, uh, and it's time to leave that past behind us and follow Jesus fully. Next, you see that they will give an account. The phrase, they will give an account, just as in the last passage, the angels, authorities, and powers are subjected to God, all human beings um, will one day give an account to God. Now, the account that they're giving may differ depending on where they stand. If they are a believer, they're giving an account for their service. Uh, if they're a non-believer, an unbeliever, they will give an account for their sin. Now, you and I, as believers, we don't have to stand to give an account for our sin because Jesus has already cleaned that. He's already taken care of it. And he said, I declare you to be righteous. It's not that you are righteous on your own, but that Jesus in your place, went and paid the penalty that you and I could never pay. And he did it on your behalf. And in doing so, in raising from the dead, he declares you to be righteous and gives you the power to be called the sons and the daughters of God. 
And so we recognize that they will give an account. And so they may malign you. The world may hate you. The world may mistreat you. Don't worry. There's coming a day when we will stand before God and all will be made right. And those who are dead, uh, the idea of the gospel having been preached to even those who were dead, uh, it simply means that, that this was not teaching the concept that there is a second chance after you die. Uh, so earlier in this passage, there's one verse that's taken out of context and meaning we, we don't have to sin anymore uh, or that we don't, we've been able to buy of ourselves, no longer sin. This is another passage that's taken out of context and, and people will take this and say, well, Peter must be saying that if the gospel is preached to the dead, then there must be a second chance and maybe, maybe everything just kind of works out. Maybe it all just kind of comes clean in the wash somehow. That's not what Peter was talking about. More than likely, what Peter was talking about was that the gospel was preached uh, even to those who have since died. Um, that from the time of Christ until the time of this reading, the gospel has been preached. There are those who have believed, and before Peter had the chance to write, they've now gone on to be with the Lord. Um, although they suffered in the flesh, and although they were judged in the flesh as others will be, uh, and they died, and we recognize that they endured suffering, we also recognize that though they were dead or though they are dead, they are now alive in the Spirit as God is. So that leads us to look at a few important perspectives. And we're going to go through these relatively quickly. Uh, when we're told to arm ourselves, we need to recognize that our weapons that we're told to put on or that we're to, to take hold of or equip ourselves with are the following of four perspectives. The first is the mind of Christ. So we should equip the mind of Christ. Peter says that the same way of thinking, uh, as the, the translated in the ESV, other translations may say that we should uh, be of the same way of thinking or we should be of the same purpose or of the same mind or of the same resolve, etc., etc. Um, I trust that you've heard this phrase before, outlook determines outcome. Uh, if you've ever heard that phrase, I think it's true. Uh, if we want the right actions in our lives, we need to have the right attitude. Um, this concept of having the same mind of Christ literally means to have the same attitude as Christ. So how do we defend ourselves? We live as Jesus lived. First and foremost, we have the same mind as Christ. Uh, we're told to have the same mind as Christ um, in Romans 12 as well. Uh, but we, we should recognize what it means to live as Christ. And so the attitude of Christ was that one can be victorious in suffering, even in suffering to the point of death. Uh, so how can you be victorious by suffering? Well, by suffering willingly, knowing, uh, knowing that to live the Christian way, which is the way of Christ, is to invite suffering by rejecting sin and living opposed to evil. Now, when I say invite sin, I don't mean that you go out and you look or uh, suffering, that you go out and you look for it. What I mean is that by living contrary to the world, by living and going against the flow or against the grain of the world, there is going to be friction. Uh, you will suffer for following Jesus. And I've said this often, and I'll say it again. If you are sitting here today or at home, and you say, you know, I just, I haven't suffered for Jesus at all. Life has been really good. I would say, how hard are you really pushing to live like Jesus? Because if the world around you has no idea that you're a Christian, 
there might be a reason why you're not coming under attack. Um, the old adage of, you know, if you were to be put on trial for being a Christian, simply for being a Christian, is there enough evidence there to convict you? If you're living the way of Christ, there will be. If you're living with the same mind of Christ. So as the believer, um, we, we recognize that uh, truly uh, the worst thing that can happen to us, we think, would be dying. Uh, for the believer, though, ultimately that's best case scenario in the sense that uh, in that moment that we uh, suffer even to the point of death, uh, it means that our race is over. It means that you will be with the Lord and your struggle against sin has been won. And you say, well, how can I, how can I face these kind of struggles? And, and I would remind you of the story of Cassie Renee Bernal. If, you, if that name rings a bell, she was a high school student at Columbine on April 20th, 1997. Uh, she said yes, and there's a book called She Said Yes. Uh, she said yes when she was asked by her classmates and mass murderers, Eric and Dylan, uh, she was asked if she believed in Jesus. Now keep in mind, if, if you're unfamiliar with the story, um, she, she had a gun to her head when she was asked that question. Now, you and I, we talk about the proverbial gun to our head, right? Um, she had a literal gun pointed at her and was asked a very simple question, do you believe in Jesus? And she said yes, knowing what that meant. And she died for the sake of Christ. Um, because of her hope in Jesus and her willingness to confess him, she had peace to answer yes. You and I, we have not been faced with anything even remotely close to that. And we struggle. Sometimes uh, we hear other Christians talking and we hear the things they're talking about. And sometimes we even shrink away, almost embarrassed. Uh, we don't want anyone to think that we're a Bible thumper, uh, as used to be called. Uh, we don't want anybody to think that we're a crazy fanatic. Uh, we're worried about what the world thinks. Um, thank God that we have this testimony of Cassie Bernal. She wasn't worried about what the world would think of her. She said yes. Um, we should be of the same mind of Christ. And if that's too difficult, maybe we should just learn a little bit from the example of high schooler Cassie. Secondly, we should arm ourselves with the will of God. Peter teaches us that as believers, our motivation for living has to be the perspective of the will of God. We can't be focused on our own will any longer. Uh, we have to do what's right, and that means living in the Spirit and not in the flesh. I'm just going to highlight a few verses as we talk about the will of God uh, and what exactly is the will of God. And sometimes we say, well, how can we know? And we know in a general sense what the will of God is, uh, that we would be conformed to the image of his son, but specifically how each and every one of us works that out in our own lives is ultimately going to be slightly different for each of us. Not all of us are missionaries or pastors. Um, not all of us are uh, called to be um, you know, vocational uh, ministers of the gospel, but we are all called to be ministers of the gospel. And so God's will for your life is that you would follow him. Uh, Romans 12, 2. Um, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing, which Peter's been talking an awful lot about, by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. You should know what is good and acceptable and perfect because you are renewing your mind. You're supposed to give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 1 Peter 2.15 
says, For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. So we're not called to live passive lives. We're called to be active. We're called to, to stand firm. Uh, there are many other verses as you go through Scripture, uh, but I, I wanted to highlight those. The, the next one I want to highlight would be Second uh, Peter 3.9, which says, The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise, as some count slowness to be, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. The will of God is that we go out and share the gospel. The will of God is not that he would remain slow as others count slowness to be, but that he would answer his promises, that he would fulfill his promises, and he would continue moving forward. We need to arm ourselves with that knowledge. We need to arm ourselves with the reality that he is going to do what he set out to do. We also need to arm ourselves with the change of passions. Verses 3 through 5 tell us this, this list of passions that the former life was all about. This is talking about the transformation from the past. Peter explains what non-believers do, and it's quite clear why we can't be involved in these sins anymore. We recognize that. We can have no part in any of those activities, uh, really for any sins for that matter. But that list of sins in verse 3, we should recognize there's no place in our lives for that. And we say, well... There's not too much wrong with a little bit of partying. Uh, what I would say is you need to be focused on the glory of God, first and foremost. Uh, focus on doing what is right. Focus on doing what He has called you to do. Be of the same mind. Follow the will of God. Um, recognize the change of passions that you have. Uh, but we do recognize that the change in passions is so different that not only are non-believers surprised by the change, but they actually hate you. They become hostile for making that change. Um, they blaspheme, they slander, defame, ostracize, and more, all because you had the audacity to not be like them anymore. Uh, the world is going to hate you. Uh, I hate to give you kind of a downer, uh, but the truth is, you know, there's a book, How to Win Friends and Gain Influence, um, Living contrary to the flow is not what the world wants you to do to win friends and gain influence. But we're not worried about influence from the world. We're worried about doing what God has called us to do. I hope but we're worried about what God has called us to do. So we cannot allow the world to pull us back in. We have to remain vigilant. We have to continue moving forward. Uh, we do that because we arm ourselves with the hope of life. Um, the last of these four principles, uh, verse 6 reminds us that we have this hope of eternal life. For those that are dead are those who the gospel was preached to. They believed and they died prior to Peter writing. While it appears that they were judged in the flesh or put to death, they are actually fully alive now in the spirit. John MacArthur says this, Peter's point is that believers, even under unjust treatment, including death, should be willing and unafraid to suffer, knowing that all death can do is triumphantly bring their eternal spirits into everlasting life in heaven. Ultimately, the worst thing that this world can do to you is take your life away. But what that does is it ushers us into an eternity with Christ. And so even if God calls you to suffer, even if he calls you to suffer to the point of death, we should be willing to suffer for his namesake. Um, Jesus died on the cross for each and every one of us. Literally, the least we can do 
is live for him. How do we live for him? We have to arm ourselves with these uh, perspectives. Again, the perspectives of the mind of Christ, the will of God, the change of passions, and the hope of life. So clearly, Peter is giving us our battle plan. Uh, the very first sermon of this series, I said that what Peter is doing here is giving us our marching orders. Well, now he's given us our marching orders and our ordinance. He's told us what weapons we can use, how we can stand firm, and how we can keep moving forward. Attacks are going to come. Suffering, trials, and tribulations will visit us, but we need to be armed and ready to stand firm. Before you can arm yourself with the weapons of Christ, these uh, being the four perspectives, you must first put on the armor of God, and the most important one being the helmet of salvation. Uh, without armor, you can only stand for so long. Uh, and oftentimes we, we take off the armor and we say, it's too heavy. I don't want to put this on anymore. I don't want to carry it. I don't want to go another mile with this stuff on me. Uh, we say that in our Christian life. And we say, you know, it's just uncomfortable. It's restrictive. I don't have full range of, moment, of movement. I can't do all the things I want to do in this world. Uh, we can't be like that. We've got to remain vigilant. We have to keep the armor on. First and foremost, being the helmet of salvation, we have to recognize who Jesus truly is. And so there may be some sitting here today. Uh, you may be sitting here thinking, I I've never placed my faith and trust in Jesus. And what I will tell you is, uh, unfortunately, I can't give you this happy story of wealth and prosperity and health because you honor Jesus or because you follow him. In fact, I'm going to promise you basically the opposite. If you place your faith and trust in Jesus, the world is going to turn on you. You may lose friends. You may lose opportunities. You may lose out on um, finances. You may lose out on health. Uh, God may call you to a place where you suffer. Um, not a great salesman, I guess. Uh, but the truth of the matter is, uh, I've done, I've been in ministry for about 11 years, and I've also not been in ministry at times. And what I can tell you is when you know what you're called to do, and you're not able to do it, or you're not doing it, there's no peace there. Uh, what I can tell you is you may suffer, you may lose things, uh, but trusting in Jesus is the greatest decision that you can make, because God, in all of his infinite wisdom, and in all of his graciousness and loving kindness, is going to provide for you an eternal home with him. And that is far better than any riches this world can offer. You may look around you and say, yeah, but there are non-believers who have some pretty incredible things. And what I would tell you is for the non-believer, the excitement and the joy that they experience here, if they never come into faith with Christ, uh, never, never enter into a relationship with him, this is the closest to heaven that they may ever experience. Uh, we need to share the gospel. For those that are suffering, I don't know where you stand or where you've been suffering or what you've been dealing with, but I want to promise you the suffering of this world is the, is the closest to hell we're going to experience. Uh, the suffering of this world cannot take away what God has promised for you. So we're going to pray, we're going to sing, or I think we're going to stand. They're going to sing, maybe. Uh, but as we uh, continue through this next portion of our service, I want to encourage you, whether at your seat or up front, I'll be down here for a few moments and then I'll sit, uh, but if you want to talk, if you don't know what it means to have faith in Christ, if you don't know what it means to walk in faith with Christ, or if you've been saved and you say, you know, I've never stepped forward and experienced baptism, I've never gone forward and, and shown my faith, um, 
come and talk to us. We would love to begin that journey with you. We would love to begin that conversation with you. Uh, God has called us to some pretty incredible things, amen? And for us here, uh, we get to do some pretty incredible things for Jesus in one of the most incredible places, I would say the most incredible, but I'm pretty biased, uh, places in the world. Uh, we get to live in a beautiful place such as Hawaii, and we have the opportunity to follow him. Let's not squander that. Uh, I say this often. I, I, I stole it from another preacher, but um, he used to say, we're God's people. Let's go live like it. We need to arm ourselves and go live like it. Father, help us to live like your people. Help us to arm ourselves. Help us to, to not be naive and to think that this Christian life is easy enough that we can do it on our own. Um, Lord, help us to recognize that there are real struggles. You've promised them to us. We believe you in so many other things, but we, we act surprised when suffering comes. Father, help us to recognize that there is suffering in this world, but there's an answer to it. Father, help us to recognize that the answer is in you. So Father, those of us that have trusted in you, would you help us to put on that armor, to equip ourselves with these weapons and stand firm, not allow the world to suck us back in or to draw us back in. But Father, that we would stand firm and we would make a difference for your name, through your gospel. But Father, for those that may be here that have never placed their faith in you, Father, help them to see that life with you is far better, infinitely better than any other life that could be lived. Father, you have called us to yourself. Your word is very clear that your sheep, they know the voice of the shepherd. They recognize his voice and they'll come. Help us as believers to be willing to call out and to allow them to hear that voice. Help us to stand firm and help each other. When one another is suffering, help us to not cut one another down. Father, your Christians, uh, we are some of the world's worst at shooting our own wounded. Help us to not be like that, Father, but help us to band together, to stand strong, and to do what you have called us to do. Father, help us to honor you in all that we do, for it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today for this episode of the Narratives of Grace podcast. I pray this meditation on what it is to prepare and arm ourselves to go out and witness uh, was a blessing to all of you. For any questions or comments on this episode, please uh, email us at pastor at mbaptist.org uh, or contact us in another way. We want to make sure that we're responding to these and being able to dig into some of the questions that all of you may have on some of the topics that come up. If you have any prayer requests, please email us at prayer at mbaptist.org. Uh, that's not just for our church family, but for anyone that listens. We want to be praying with each and every one of you over everything big and small. For more information on Mililani Baptist Church, please head over to our website at mbaptist.org or follow us on social media. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you'll join us next time.